This is a best of edition of Exposing Washington. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman. Glad to have you with us today. Many topics to talk about. The news cycle seems to always be moving fast, so we'll uh, cover various topics today. AFR.net is our website. Check it out. AFR.net is our website. You can find my podcast page there. Just go to AFR.net, click on the podcast link, and then you'll scroll down a little bit and see Exposing Washington. You can also download the AFR app and catch the podcast there. The AFR app, you can catch the podcast there on our app. It's free. All you got to do is download the American Family Radio app. And of course, you can uh, follow uh, American Family Radio on social media, Facebook, Twitter, etc. A couple things we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to talk about the, the blatant hypocrisy when it comes to the coronavirus and how various governmental officials told us we just have to stay at the house. Everybody's got to stay at home all the time in order to slow the spread. And then all of a sudden, all these same politicians that told us that are out here burning the streets down, burning buildings down with the protesters, not literally, but you get the point there. They were out marching with the protesters across the country uh, not social distancing, the same politicians who told us that we just got to stay at home forever so more people don't die from COVID. And here they were out rubbing shoulders with protesters uh, in, in the streets. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about, you know, whether these lockdowns throughout the country that, goodness, they can't come to an end fast enough whether they're actually effective or not. I mean, do these things even work? Is there even any science behind this whole stay-at-home mentality? Um, we'll, we'll look into that. And then lastly, we'll talk about the, uh, the George Floyd protest. Uh, we'll talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and what they're, what's behind their movement. Uh, some pretty wicked things going on with the Black Lives Matter movement. So we'll talk about that. First, I want to play clip one. This is Alex Berenson. You know, this guy is, I've cited him a few times, but he is a uh, former New York Times columnist or journalist. He used to work with the New York Times, no longer. And he's been tracking, he actually has a little booklet out on this whole situation, but he's been tracking this whole coronavirus thing and, and really how it's been overplayed to a certain extent. 
And uh, he's been pretty critical about whether the lockdowns were necessary and whether the government's being honest with us about what is all behind this coronavirus. I want to play clip one. Let's listen. Well, I mean, the big picture conclusion, and it's actually clearer in Europe, Tucker, than in the U.S., is that ending lockdowns does not seem to make much difference at all. Um, and, and you can see this. It's, it's great to look at Europe because Europe doesn't have the red state, blue state problem. And most right. of these countries are actually pretty politically liberal. And so if you look at Norway, where, you know, the, the head of the health authority said a couple weeks ago, we're not sure that lockdowns made any difference because it looks like moderate social distancing made all the difference we needed. And, and possibly the virus is actually on the way out, even as we impose the lockdowns. There you have it. That's uh, Alex Berenson, former New York Times journalist, talking about how from, from what, what we've seen, the lockdowns actually really don't have much of an effect on the rate of spread or the spread, uh, the number of people infected throughout the country. And I think that's why you see, I think that's why you see um, various states already reopened. I mean, many states have been open for weeks now, which is good, but um, the world's not ending because uh, we can uh, go to work now. We can go to eat, we can go to the park. Uh, The world is not ending. And that ties directly into this other story I wanted to mention before we move on to the just utter hypocrisy from these Democrats who told us to stay at home and they were out protesting uh, with Black Lives Matter and others. But this Harvard study, this Harvard research is very interesting. And, you know, this is just a this is just research. It's just a study. It's not verified, uh, just like much other research isn't necessarily verified. It's just what they concluded when they looked into it. But the from what Harvard did here is they looked at satellite data of Wuhan, China, for the past year, and. Uh, they basically discovered, just to keep things simple, that it is plausible that the coronavirus started in Wuhan in August of 2019. August of 2019. They looked at web searches of terms in China, in Wuhan, like pneumonia, flu, cough, and other things. Uh, They also looked at satellite data that showed the the number of patients uh, visiting hospitals in Wuhan. So, you know, we'll, we'll find out more, hopefully, about this, or we may not. But I've said all along, I think this thing started well before December, January of 2020. December 19, January 2020, um, just because of how many people in the U.S. have the antibodies. Uh, and there was a study out in uh, California where up to 7% of one county had the antibodies. Um, so uh, this thing was around, obviously, before December of 2019. So uh, this Harvard study is very interesting. I'll post this on my podcast page at AFR.net. But can you imagine if if this is true, that the coronavirus has been around circulating the world 
since August of 2019. And we didn't find out about it until January of 2019 or December. I'm sorry, December of 2019, January of 2020. We are, are as, as big as our country is and as many resources as we have, our government has with intelligence, et cetera, and all the spying that we do. I would be shocked if we did not discover this and not, did not know about this going on well before uh, late 2019. Nonetheless, we'll find out. But that might explain why so many people have the antibodies. Uh, this thing could be could have been spreading all well before uh, December of 2019. And if that were the case, uh, this is pretty pretty damning because uh, nobody was freaking out. You know, nobody was nobody was rushing the grocery stores to get toilet paper. Nobody was really concerned. Um, and then we made a test for it, and then all of a sudden the world's ending, and the media just can't get over this coronavirus situation. Speaking of that, I want to transition to these protests we've been seeing the past few weeks. Um, I was out last week, otherwise we would have talked about it then, but we went from, I mean, probably in a matter of a day or two, the media went from, we've got 100,000 dead in the U.S. from the coronavirus, everybody needs to stay at their house, businesses can't reopen because more people are going to die, to... The George Floyd protest, which brought out hundreds of thousands throughout the U.S. protesting in the streets, not social distancing, many of them not wearing masks. And the media and the, quote, medical experts were completely silent on that hypocrisy. They were completely silent. And I'm not saying anything about the validity of the protest. I think in America, we have a First Amendment right to protest. No matter which side of the political spectrum you're on, we don't have a right to burn down buildings, might I note. But for those who are protesting lawfully, that's fine. I'm good with it. More power to you. But just a few weeks before that, there were some... I guess you could say conservatives protesting, really not that many in the grand scheme of things, but, you know, throughout the country, you were seeing groups of a dozen, two dozen or more people protesting the government saying we need to reopen. And in, in uh, Michigan, you saw hundreds, if not thousands, protesting Governor Whitmer there because she's kept all businesses shut down for months now. But during those early protests, uh, basically protesting the lockdowns, the media and the, quote, medical experts were saying this is dangerous. We can't have people protesting because they're all going to get sick. They're going to spread coronavirus. We even saw news stories about how reopening churches was going to create these, these hotbeds for COVID-19 spread. And they even had journalists and news reporters doing in-depth studies on and reviews on which churches were reopening and how many people from the congregation were sick and who all they infected. I mean, this was very, very detailed coverage that the media was doing. But then here come the George Floyd protest, 
And all of a sudden, nobody's talking about the coronavirus anymore. Could it be because the protests and the gatherings were from people with maybe slightly a different political ideology? Could it be that overall the media was, they're really okay with with Democrats protesting or people shouting down the police and burning down buildings? But if we want to protest peacefully, that we should reopen our churches and our businesses, well, eh, we probably shouldn't do that. But you know what this reveals? None of this is surprising. We know what's going on. Talk about it every week. But what's disturbing is how the media can manipulate these sentiments of, of the American people, how the media can shift the focus so quickly, how they can shift from COVID-19 and the doomsday scenario to police brutality is happening at unprecedented levels, they'll say. They shifted the narrative mighty quick. I want to play clip two. This is uh, Senator Mitch McConnell playing, talking uh, along with what I'm saying here about the hypocrisy of the media. Clip two, let's listen. For weeks, the mainstream media heaped scorn on any small citizen protest, outdoor gathering, or even the suggestion that other important values might require a reappraisal of certain restrictions. Well, the American people did their part. They made necessary sacrifices that clearly helped the country. And they're ready to continue doing their part as our reopening carefully proceeds. But now, many Americans feel they've just seen those fastidious regulations and that puritanical zeal disappear in an instant because a new cause has emerged that powerful people agree with. A month ago, small protest demonstrations were widely condemned as reckless and selfish. Now, massive rallies that fill entire cities are not just praised, but in fact are called especially brave because of the exact same health risks that brought condemnation when the cause was different. Well, there you have it. That's Senator Mitch McConnell uh, talking about the hypocrisy of the media when it comes to the coronavirus and the protest and how certain protests are fine, but others are, are deadly. Um, I want to transition now into the George Floyd situation. President Trump's weighed in on this. Um, the DOJ is reviewing the case. Um, it's been been leading the news, if you will, for the past few weeks. Um, what happened to George Floyd uh, was a tragedy, and uh, the officers responsible should face the consequences and, in return, face justice. And that is really the justice we should be looking for in a civilized society, is that the laws of our nation would be applied to people who break them including police officers. And so that's the type of justice a civilized society should be looking for. But what I'm afraid is, is that many people who are, who are protesting aren't really interested in the type of justice that I'm explaining there. 
Because if these protests were about justice, according to the law, then the protesters should be mostly satisfied because the police officer was arrested. And actually, all four of the police officers involved were arrested. But I think some of these protesters, it's more of a political game than it is really about justice and about ensuring that law enforcement officers are not using excessive force or they're not abusing their authority. And before we talk about Black Lives Matter, the organization, and before we get into that and what they believe, and it's pretty horrendous, I want to talk about uh, the, the context that got us here or the, the situation, the narrative that got us to this point where we're discussing it right now. There's this narrative out there in the media and, and largely in the public that police brutality is at record levels, that, that black men are just getting beaten in the streets by officers for no good reason, just for the heck of it. It's like we're back in the 1960s and 1950s. That we've made no, no, no ground. We've gained no ground when it comes to equality, equal justice, equal application of the law, fairness. If you get on Facebook or watch the news, you would think that our country hasn't made one step forward since the civil rights era. But in reality, our country's made great leaps towards being a more free, equal society. And if we look at the actual number of, of police-involved shootings, in 2019, 2019, this is according to the Washington Post police shooting database. They've been tracking this. In 2019, there were 1,003, 1,003 police-involved shootings throughout the country. Of those 1,003, there were 55 who were unarmed. There were 55 individuals and or suspects that did not have a weapon on their person when they were shot by the police officer. When you break that 55 down, 25 of the 55 were white, 14 were black, 11 were Hispanic, and there were five that weren't classified. So in all of 2019, with well over, I looked in and did the research on how many police-to-public interactions are there every year, and on, on a minimum, there's 50 million interactions. That's 50 million interactions with individual residents or citizens. And that's on the, the lower end of the estimates. 
So with 50 million interactions, we only had 1,000 shootings, 1,003 to be exact. And of those 1,000 shootings, from the 55 million police interactions, <laughs> we had 55 individuals who were unarmed. And of those, only 14, 14 were black. And the facts are important because this brings us to the conclusion that police brutality and the killing of unarmed black men by police officers is not an epidemic. It is not systematic. It is not widespread. That's just not true. Are there instances where police officers do bad things? Absolutely. We saw that with the George Floyd case. Absolutely. And when that happens, the officers should face repercussions. But this, the fact that we're going to move from an extreme outlier in the George Floyd case, meaning what happened to George Floyd is actually an extreme outlier when you look at the numbers. The fact that we're going to use an extreme outlier and an actual injustice like the George Floyd situation to then disarm, disband, defund the entire police forces, all of the police forces in America, and that somehow that's going to make our country better? Are we a bunch of idiots? Sometimes I wonder what level of thinking these folks have because it's got to be so shallow if there's any thinking there at all. In what world do we think that we're going to defund, get rid of law enforcement and that that's going to make our country so much better? Everything's going to be so equal and all the gangs are just going to go away. All the mobs, they're just going to go away. All the robbers, they're just going to go away. All the murderers, they're just going to go away. All the rapists, they're just going to go away. MS-13, they'll be gone. That is insanity. For anyone who thinks that we can abolish law enforcement and get away with it. Actually, I would argue that weakening law enforcement, especially in these big cities, would actually hurt and negatively affect the black community more than it would anyone else. Because in these big cities, the black community, they're largely the victims of this violence. Look in Chicago. It's black-on-black crime. Oftentimes, on any given weekend, you have over a dozen people shot dead in Chicago. And it's all black people. They're shooting each other, the gangs. But we're not marching for that. 
No, police brutality. Got to defund the police department. When the police department's the one responding to the black-on-black shooting in Chicago. They're the only thing between civility and anarchy. And we have a bunch of people in our country that are low-level thinkers. Or they're just flat out know what they're doing, which is evil. And they're causing more division and more hurt in our country. Which is completely uncalled for, completely unnecessary. And in large part, the politicians and the media, they're going right along with it. To expound on what I'm talking about when it comes to Black Lives Matter, the organization... Here's from their website on their about page. They've got all these things that they want to do. But down towards the bottom, here's what they say. (laughs) This is from the Black Lives Matter website, and we have all these Hollywood elites donating to this organization. This is sick. Here's what they say. We disrupt... The Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families in quote villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Notice they don't say dads there because we don't need dads, right? Let me read that again. This is from the Black Lives Matter website. We disrupt. Our goal is to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family. You know what that is? That's not Western prescribed. <laughs> that's, that's biblically prescribed. The one man, one woman, marriage, family, raising of children for life, that's what they're talking about. Their job is to disrupt it. Arguably one of the most important institutions in American history the family that's built America. Black Lives Matter, their goal is to disrupt it. And I'll translate that. Their goal is to destroy it. And so next time you see some famous person that you like on some television show, Say that, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send a hundred thousand dollars to Black Lives Matter. You better remember what they're for. Exposing Washington American Family Radio. Check out our website, afr.net. On our website, you'll find my Exposing Washington podcast page. We'll post the links there. Stay tuned to American Family Radio, and we'll see you next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.